You're here. I'm here. Can you hear me? And are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Is it all working? It's our perpetual fear. It truly is. And these people who have these big setups, like, we need help. (laughs) 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 And it's not for me to ask for help. It's But but we may need it. It's maybe in our future, but it's down the road. <laughs> it's down the road. Right. For now, I'm just going to varying degrees of volume on my phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, How are I you? Know that I, w- I, so I saw the glass that you were using for tonight and uh-huh. I got jealous that you have a fun glass. I do. <laughs> so I'm using my Denver Broncos glass. <laughs> Because where's the fun in that though I mean, it's, it's the fun I mean part. it's at least not just like a plain wine glass oh <laughs> uh, you haven't said anything about the nuggets winning maggie was my friend well i shouldn't say names my friend was going crazy well i mean I, i'm very happy for that <laughs> oh wow i just don't really care that much about basketball oh like damn. i know i'm sorry i'm sorry it's I thought you Colorado people were just like tuned into every sport like you have like a direct line at first that just do you hear me pouring the wine I do I haven't even opened mine (sighs) well I opened it hey guys welcome to theology on the rocks welcome to theology on the rocks uh we're here we're gonna tell you about our drinks in a moment but uh I'm excited we're back we're back uh because someone left us uh any names I had I, to go I'm gonna watch. stop you at had to go. <laughs> I had to go watch my friend get married by Elvis, which <laughs> in Las is, Vegas. It is exactly what you would think happens when you get married by Elvis. They call it like, Sin, Sin City. Do you think the name is appropriate? Since I mean, absolutely. But this is not my like this is not my normal Vegas trip. This is like I will like say, we like, were, not to say what you were doing was we're going to talk about what real sin is later as yes. I, as i rant <laughs> uh but i just wondered we were, if, we were what, just like a little bit farther like um you know how circus circus is like at the end of the strip mm-hmm. um, we were just on the other side of circus circus and so we weren't really like in the midst of it all and uh the one time we went down into the strip proper and like went to the Bellagio we were all like okay that was enough (laughs) (laughs) except for Nick who's from England and was like really pumped about going to a proper Las Vegas club which I assume is just like a normal club except for it's more expensive it's in and yeah and and like it's in Austin I don't know I mean so he kept asking me like how much does it cost and I was like Nick we're going to talk about the patriarchy and sexism later, but I'm going to, I'm here to tell you I've never paid to get into a club. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you not? Not Christy way. Like you lived all those years in Scotland. You didn't pay once. Well, no, like in Vegas, I didn't pay to get into a club. Oh my gosh, girl. I thought I you were paid saying to get into clubs in, in my life. The light, in Vegas. your life. I was like, what is I'm your I'm not that pretty. <laughs> Remember, I have a face for podcasts. Um. <laughs> no, I know. I just look. My flabbergast was not at your beauty or skill. I was just <laughs> amazed that like, I was just. Damn. I want to. No, I know. it really was no, just in Vegas because they hand you out the free like tickets or whatever. Mm. 
because you're a female and or... I've, only, I've only been with my parents so I don't know I don't really know well yeah so yeah I kept telling him I was like sir I'm not the right one to ask how much it costs <laughs> I'm so sorry but he did not make it to a club and that's a story for not this podcast <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I think they made a movie about that. It was very similar. To, I don't think you have to tell the story. <laughs> it was very similar. We will just direct you towards a movie with Bradley Cooper. Um, <laughs> speaking of sin, did you uh, did you hear that that we are sinning right at this moment? That we are sinning, and I am really sinning. You are really sinning. Gosh, ordained. I, I at least you're. Have- midway sunning i'm midway sunning so you guys know if you've followed me at all that i um grew up southern baptist and the southern baptist convention met this week still meeting still spewing mm-hmm. <laughs> their their little thing and the president who i won't say his name because honestly i don't care to and i don't have to because it's my podcast but you can look it up if you really care you don't have to taint our podcast like that i don't want to put those vibes out in the world but anyway he can go screw himself that vibe (laughs) out in the world and by screw i mean fuck himself (laughs) so he's head of uh the the southern seminary and all the anyway it's just been the the sort of you know, I won't, I won't even say throughout my life that it's been like, you know, a thing that's deeply hurt me, but I will say that it's been a thing that's just, it deeply hurt me when I was younger. Yeah. Uh, but now it's just like, you know, that friend you bring to a party who's always a drag. Yes. That's the Southern Baptist convention to me. <laughs> just like perpetually a drag like I go on I'm not even a part of it I'm ordained in the disciples of Christ I've moved on but you've moved on they just it's just like I show up to a party similarly yeah Twitter and they're just moping in a corner I've never been Southern Baptist and I've never been to a Southern Baptist church I mean but I've been evangelical which is really just Southern Baptist in hiding um I mean, the, the church I grew up in was fine. Like, I mean, did yeah. it have well, I don't. I mean, I don't know that it's because you know theology, the SBC. The if you look at their history, it's it's not well. Like, if you go way back, it's bad. But, well, we learned because I went to a Baptist seminary actually, and I mean, they were it was CBF, not SBC. But you know, we I had to take Baptist polity, and we learned you know yeah. the four fragile freedoms and autonomy of the church. I mean, they're based on this kind of freedom that you don't see in the sort of hierarchy of like the Presbyterian or right. Anglican church, and they thrived on that. But what happened is, <laughs> like, and I kind of get it because you know I always tell my students I'm a benevolent dictator in the classroom. And it's yeah. like, because you, uh, you have too you much have to freedom be. and then there's just nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you're nothing. Yeah. You're, anymore. <laughs> you're not doing anything anymore. Yeah. And so I think that's maybe what happened with them is that they, I mean, I'm one to talk. You should look at the mantras of the disciples. I either are none, <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think it just got to be where some conservative branches were like, we're straying too far off. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we can really look back to a certain time period in the U S uh, when, and 
this is not the history we're going over today, but the no, idea that it's just I'm mad. So. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that uh, reaction to certain things going on in the U.S., namely like the like hippie culture of the 60s and 70s, and women's rights, women's and rights, civil, civil rights, civil rights, etc. A lot of reactions were to get more conservative and kind mm -hmm. of like close ranks on that. And I think that's where the Southern Baptist Convention started doing that. But I don't think it's like, like everything else, like it takes a decade or two to really be like, oh, this is terrible, you know? And I just um, keep like, I went to uh, a Baptist undergrad too, but they were they did. I mean, it was sort of, I teach at a Methodist. It's very loose. Yeah. And when I was leaving, which was in 2004, the Baptist, Southern Baptist had, had tried to take back over the school. So that's yeah. what I'm talking about. The person who just keeps popping up to the party is, and like all my favorite professors, they were moving them to like history and all of yeah. this, which is what they do well, out, of, yeah. out of religion. And, and I'm I like, have. I have my own experiences with certain Southern Baptist people. So I, like, I just avoided looking at a lot of things. Cause I was like, this is just going to make me start raging. Um, but I already know yes. <laughs> what well, don't, I wouldn't go on Twitter. If I, I, know. I was like, we're avoiding that today. My uh, husband who did not grow up in the church culture that we grew up in, um, I can't, he came walking in from work like five minutes ago. And usually when Christy and I record, he just takes the dog and goes away. <laughs> and um, he, I said, he walked in and sort of looked at the mail and he was like, Hey, how are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just really mad at guys today. And he was like, he was like, I know. <laughs> Cause he's been reading me stomping like a troll across yeah. all of social media. And he just, he just kept his head down and was like, I know. I know. And then he was like, I'm going to take the dog and let you talk. <laughs> it's like, this is our therapy. Okay. I mean, it kind of is. It's, you know, <laughs> it's a good release of certain things and getting out into the world. But I just, yeah, you know, I had a professor at seminary once who, this is after I graduated. I went back to chat with him about like my, I basically, before I decided to do the PhD, I like interviewed all of my like past professors and advisors about like how best to to be in academia and like like good tips and tricks and whatnot and um I don't remember exactly the conversation but this man who never says a direct thing ever like we used to call him Dr. Disclaimer he looked at me <laughs> and he <laughs> he goes and he goes the Southern Baptists are real jerks <laughs> and it was like <laughs> I like I almost died of shock I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I think at the core of my being, because full disclosure, I grew up my whole life um, in a Baptist church in my town in Georgia, Southern Baptist Church. My grandma went there. Uh, my mother was married there. Like, yeah. I had my whole life there. I ate potluck there. And it pisses me off because I enjoyed my time there. Again, I had theological right. questions. I didn't always agree with what was going on. But it makes me mad because it's like, why do you get to take that away? Yeah. That memory. Which, like, why did I have to leave that home yeah. to find a place to justify, not justify, but to acknowledge my calling? Yeah. You know? I, think, I think that's how I feel about evangelicalism as a whole, too. Because while 
I have some weird stories and stuff. I was definitely one of the ones who got out relatively unscathed. Um, and like, I can look back at certain memories fondly, but I also, it's like taint. It's, I mean, now you're also looking back at those memories and thinking like, Oh, but my friend over here is probably like really struggling or being tortured or whatever you want to say, you know? Yeah. And they're not going to, I mean, my next two books, the Southern Baptists are not going to come out well. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> I know. I know. Bad theology. Right? But I do want to say at the core of my being is that when I passed that church that I grew up in, I have nothing but memories of my grandma and my grandpa and, yeah. and love and adoration and learning to play piano and, you know, dressing up as a sheep by putting a sweater inside out and, <laughs> you know, those kinds of yes. things, um, yeah. you know, uh, trying not to talk too loud so the old ladies wouldn't look at you, but like, and I just, that's what makes me angry. I think if it, it had been just completely bad that I could oh, just for leave, sure. You I could, could leave just, it behind without as much like sadness. Right. You could just say that was an abusive relationship and I escaped. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like I escaped. I feel like I was forced to leave. Same. And I think that's what I'm seeing play Same. out. Yeah. Same. On- I totally feel that way. I feel that way completely. And it pisses me off. Yeah. Um, because who are these motherfuckers who get to decide? <laughs> me, no. Uh, who Where are, are those people? Where are the people? Whatever. I'm who? okay. I'm done yeah. now. And then again, my last thing is on, you and I talked about this. I had to call Christian rant about it before. <laughs> there was a lot more expletives. Again, I'm a redneck, but like I was, it was, they were talking about Beth Moore and like recording all these people. And I was just like, um, you know, who are sort of, they're putting up on these pedestals. And I was saying, yeah. you know, I was in Bible studies with Beth Moore stuff and like, I'm glad yeah, that she's, she's getting out, but you and I both agreed that what would also be cool is maybe she points to alternative yes. voices with her yes. platform yeah, and that we shouldn't just lift them up as people who escape, but actually for them to use it to say like, I was wrong about this. I, yeah, I was wrong about this. How about I stop talking for a minute and you all go listen to these people who are the people that either helped me out or people who understand better or something, because certainly what we need right now is not the voices of like the very privileged. Right. And we're two people to talk, but I mean, at right. least, so if Beth Moore, you want to come on our yeah. podcast, we'd love to have you and love to have her and we could. <laughs> you could find some people to point to because I think that's one thing that women in academia well women in theological academia do especially is that we point to each other yes um and say hey look at this person and I hope I always do that yeah Um, you are good you are very good at it you are excellent too and I mean it's one of these things for knowing we don't know everything yeah well it's it's that humility but it's also being trained by other and brought up by other women who were really intentional of it. Like, um, again, just going to keep my constant adoration for my supervisor, Heather Walton, because that's what she does for everyone. And, um, she does, she did it for me as well. And we worked together. Yeah. She guided me on the right path. There's, there's just, there's so much support that you don't see in a lot of areas in academia and academia can be so toxic, but like you get into these good places with, these women doing theology in new and different ways. And it is like living in 
a cozy blanket because yes. you're just surrounded by warmth and love. So, yeah. And my corner was my, I had a female supervisor as well, Cecilia Clegg. And uh, I was in a corner of new college that was <laughs> very, not very well worn uh, at Edinburgh with, you know, <laughs> Marcella and Cecilia and women who were in that and, and the, and the kind of ghosts of, of women past. Yes. Um, we've spoken about Temple, Elizabeth Templeton and stuff on this podcast. Uh, but Celia Clegg was my, my professor and she taught me that too. And I think yeah. there is something about women supporting women and indeed other marginalized groups, which actually does segue into what we're talking about. I was going to say, it's a perfect segue into our today because today and I need wine. <laughs> you need to pour your wine. I'm going to, I'm going to put you down, but you maybe talk about what we're going to just. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I'll introduce us. So yeah. uh, to start with, uh, you may have noticed, so we keep, um, telling y'all on the Instagram that we have a guest today and we do. Um, but we thought Leah and I could get our, uh, typical banter, um, because that's what we do. Um, but, uh, what we're going to talk about today is, is liberation the theology. Uh, we're going to start with some big changes that came, um, in the 19, what was it? Sixties? Uh, 50, 50, 60s, something like that. That's Leah's area. <laughs> I know when the Great Schism happened, and that was 1054. Um, <laughs> I'm also not looking, um, not looking at anything, so I'm just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, and we're going to talk about the different ways, the different branches of liberation theology, and then Columba is going to come on, and he is going to teach us and talk to us about his experience um, with queer theology. But we're um, we're really excited about today. It, I'm just going to say it's going to be a long one, so buckle up. It is. It is. And I'm going to actually sit down if my cat will let me <laughs> sit down and try to calm down. <laughs> I really, I really, I don't usually get worked up in my old age, but I got, I got, I got triggered today. <laughs> I got triggered. I had to go on a real long run before we started. Um, but now I'm doing better because I have wine. Oh, we should talk about the wine. So oh, yeah. So um, Columba picked the drink of the week and um, he picked wine and um, he's going to tell us about his wine, but it was like a pick your favorite wine. So Leah, what are you drinking? So I'm drinking uh, a very, very full bodied Cabernet. And I know that yes. sounds basic. It's not a Merlot if you guys seen sideways, <laughs> um, but it's a Cabernet, a full bodied Cabernet. Um, I usually go for, Portuguese or Spanish Cabernets or Malbecs. I don't even know. Wait, no, what is it? Uh, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. If that's wrong, it's wrong. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. I'm freaking sorry. But anyway, um, and so I usually go for ones that are just like hit you in the teeth kind of red yeah. wines. Those I are the ones that I like. I but like it. it should be noted that also I drink any red wine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in a box i don't mind if it's um, red yeah if it's Leah red i'm happy i do if like it, i like the really bold ones though where it feels like you've been punched in the mouth and then all of this the moisture is sucked out yeah uh, a riaca that's what i was trying to think of riaca is the one that i like the most they didn't yeah. have riaca so i got a cabernet those are great yeah i like it's this is from california which sure whatever california is fine but like um I do. Brioche is probably my number one, but this is going to be amazing and delightful. So 
I mean, I can't say anything about California because Georgia wine tastes like your teeth are going to fall out whenever you drink it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's I not, um, it's not one. I'm just I'm not a sommelier. So, no, I mean, you- I really just if the only way I really know what's happening is if I feel like I've lost all the moisture in my mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll drink every red wine. What is, what is yours of tonight? Well, actually, so as I say that, I decided because it is the devil's butthole in Florida right now. (laughs) Truly. Truly. Here here as well. When I said I ran, it was a bad mistake. I cannot (laughs) handle how hot it is. Um, Did you get a rosé? I decided to go with a rosé. Oh my gosh. Which is, there's only one rosé that I truly enjoy. And I... I have to tell you, it's hilarious. I mean, I'll drink roses. It's usually a day drink for me or like at the beach or something, but it's, it's still a million degrees outside. So, um, but this one we discovered when I, when we were living in Glasgow, Leah and I both had amazing (laughs) wine and spirit merchant called Inverarity and Mm. the two guys that ran it. Smiley Pete and Andy, mm. um, who I thanked in my dissertation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, they also ran my uh, a bachelorette party. Slash they, yeah, they did Leah's Hindu. Um, they did one of my birthday parties. They would do these tastings and they did. They introduced me to this wine at this tasting. And we were, we were not sober when we first had it, but I just kept yelling, I need a big hat and a beach. And so that is, I call it my big hat beach wine, but it is Hampton water. Well, that's um, not the only thing you call it. But I know it's not the only thing. <laughs> um, but it's, it's made by John Bon Jovi's son. So oh. it's, it's like. <laughs> Nepo uh, baby wine. It's like people don't take it seriously because it's like a celebrity wine, you know, but it's actually, it's quite tasty. You've had it. You liked it. Oh, I drank the crap out of it. The yeah. problem is this, but <clears throat> you don't, my problem with rosé is not that it's rosé, is that I just don't know I'm drinking it, but yeah, it, it, goes it quick. knows it's, my body knows that it's drinking <laughs> it. It goes quick. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, really, really. And, but I, I don't feel like it, you know, some things, because I typically drink things like my go-to drinks are like tequila, red wine, and like ciders. You yeah. know when you're drinking them, like you know, or or whiskeys. Yeah, you know when it's happening. Yeah, that it's happening. Rosé, you just don't. Rosé, you just are drinking. Same with gin, which is I think why I really like to drink gin like, I mean, during the day is because it's like <laughs> I can do it. I just I'm like won't happily last like drinking my gin and tonic and just moving around and not driving because that would be <laughs> terrible. But like having a really lovely day and then the night comes and I'm like, whoops, <laughs> <laughs> I made a mistake. I have, I have made an error. <laughs> That's what I felt. when I went to see um, Christy in Florida um, last, we drank this wine and mm-hmm. it's so hard for me not to call it the other name, but we drank this wine <laughs> and I, we have us for the secret nickname. I was going to say we, yeah, well, that may be some sort of unlocked thing. And then yeah. you can finally find out my other perfect album as well. But, um, the, <laughs> I drank it and then I was like, well, this is fine. And then when I looked and it was like all gone and I was like, <laughs> Oh, this is fine. And I went up to get up to the bathroom and I was like, Oh, I'm not fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, everything is not fine. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, 
There you go. Well, Leah, start us off by teaching us about Vatican II. (laughs) Yes. As a Catholic scholar, I am not. (laughs) However, but what I will tell you is that, and, and again, I don't, I don't use notes, which maybe we should. I don't know, but it's in my brain, maybe. So if it's wrong, I'll do a, I'm really freaking sorry. Um, but sorry. the Vatican II, the first, uh, well, let me get back. So my, dis- <laughs> my dissertation, I talked about the theology of reconciliation. So I had to talk about Vatican II, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Did you already drink this, by the way? I'm clearly already drinking. Oh, yes. No, I've been drinking. Okay, that's fine. I almost have to refill. The story is like a spider web already. (laughs) So, so, um, but I'll hit as to why it was important, the reconciliation stuff. But anyway, uh, liberation theology comes out of um, really the Second Vatican Council, which um, there had been one previously in like the 1800s. I think it was like the late 1800s. And was there, I thought it was like the 1600s, but again, this is not my area. I, th- I think it was the 18. I mean, do you have your computer? You can I can. Yeah. Up. Hold on. I'll, you keep talking. I'll... I think it was the late 1800s, but I don't know. I mean, let's just be, let's let it be known. There's, there's been two of them so far. <laughs> if we think that the church started when it started, there's been two. Um, so, oh, yeah, 1869. Boom, might drop. <laughs> I'm no idea. Look, I didn't know what date it was. It's not like the great schism, I just vaguely knew when it sat in my brain. So, anyway, um, the second Vatican Council was, uh, I think in the 1960s, is what's coming into my head, Christine. I'm trying. <laughs> it didn't come up quite as quickly. Oh, okay, but it, it oh, it over, took it lasted. Yeah, it was over a course it, of several years. Yeah, it lasted for several years, but it ended in 1965. There you go. Awesome. So we know what time period we're in now, which is yeah. that time period. And essentially, the Vatican councils are when a certain pope or group of people within the church, Catholic Church specifically, decide that you know we maybe need to like evaluate where we are in terms of the world. And so the world was this time period, if you look even globally, was changing really rapidly. And I think the church was feeling a bit nervous about that. And so (laughs) instead, instead of, you know, like the Southern Baptist saying exactly how you're supposed to act in the world that you live in, the the Catholic (laughs) church said, maybe we should look at the world and see what the world is, is doing you know, mm-hmm. uh, and think about that. And so that's what they did. Uh, I will say, you know, there's there's books on Vatican II and you can look at the different um, sort of reports that came out of it. They're pretty like, and again, we'll bring a Catholic scholar on here can, that can confirm or deny, but they're pretty minimal from what I read. Like, it's not like huge things that are happening. Um, yeah. One of the big things that actually came to be was a little more of an emphasis on uh being okay with protestants (laughs) but i mean it was like a little shift they were like like, they're calling them demons we're gonna call them lesser brothers right like there's no there's some there's some line it's like you're not in full communion but like you're you're in there but like which actually is pretty damning because communion is important to the catholic church but anyway (laughs) well not again not a catholic scholar I'm here for the historical events. So the, the, it, it happened. They were evaluating, blah, blah, blah. So 
when that happened, as I said, there's all these reports that came out and the problem with church reports, and this is in the Protestant church and, and the Catholic, this is all across the board, is it's not always readable to humans because it's being written by really um, sort of high academic people, if you want to call them that, or they're just not writing for other people except their peers to understand. And so you get some uh, groups of mostly priests in Latin America who come together and they want to kind of interpret what uh, Vatican II means for them as priests, as local priests, but also just like the everyday person. Um, And so you get this council that comes out of that, that I, it's called, it's S-E-L-A-M, but because of my accent, I professionally would just say Salem, Salem, (laughs) Salem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but this is basically a group of priests that get together that, uh-huh. that are like, you know, let's just let's try to interpret this and see what's coming out of these documents. Because, you know, they were very faithful to the uh, to the Catholic Church and they wanted to, you know, interpret it accordingly. And one of those priests is someone called Gustavo Gutierrez. And he yes. is um, someone who is interpreting alongside a bunch of other priests as well. And you may remember him from the man that I married during, which was, which was a good idea. <laughs> yes. Looking back on it, he's probably Looking back, one, of, I the, one of the only ones we didn't get a lot of dirt. On. <laughs> we didn't get any dirt on him. <laughs> I don't think Gustavo had any dirt. He may be a communist, but I mean, I think that he already probably, I mean, I'm also a communist. there. I mean, yeah, I don't, uh, it's, it's a common thing that happens. Read my book, Bad Theology. You can see where I got called a communist in our research seminar. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so he, he basically, and Gustavo is important and I point him out. There was a lot of people in this group, but he actually is going to become the quote father of liberation theology. Yes. And out of this meeting, um, there's two main themes that come out that these priests have decided this kind of what is being said and that is liberation and reconciliation yeah and at a very practical level and so this is kind of where we see the start of liberation becoming this theme now did the catholic church agree with those interpretations no they did not (laughs) but that's what (laughs) but that's what came out that's what happened Uh, that's what happened so let's fast forward to gustavo gutierrez um he is i Peruvian, um, I think, um, and he is a priest, and he basically writes a lot. He he's a form quote formally trained theologian. He actually trained in um, Europe, which is, you can see influences him quite a bit in his writings. Um, and but he writes uh, the either a or the theology of reckons or of liberation and um he kind of kickstarts this movement of liberation theology which in gustavo's mind is this idea of uh and again i'm not a gutierrez um scholar but the summary is it's this idea that essentially uh the church and in his world as the catholic church has been too um ecclesiastically focused so it's too much about the church and that's a big word for the church basically it's just been too focused on the church and too focused on um in many ways going through the church to get to salvation 
and to get to heaven, in other words. And he thinks that in the midst of all of that, that there's been something missing. And the thing missing is uh, looking around us and basically seeing whose voice is getting lost. And that's a real important bit of liberation theology is who is the voice that's getting lost in the midst of this kind of top-down approach? Even with Christy and I, when we talk, you know, there's voices that are getting lost um, in the midst of us being, you know, educated and and upper middle class and all of that kind of stuff too. Mm. So um, he believed that the poor uh, and the poor very widely um, kind of understood. So the poor were, he said, uh, the preferred kind of children of God, as it were. And he doesn't mean that like, you know, the poor, the ones that are, you know, essentially going to heaven and the rich people won't. He, He just thinks that if you really want to see the face of God and what God is doing in the world, that you need to look around and the poor are the face of God in the midst yeah. of the world. And that your salvation isn't through this kind of hierarchy that is the church, but instead is done um, through trying to dismantle systems of oppression and the poor uh, for the, you know, poor in whatever way you understand that that becomes quite controversial for people because, well, it basically says you don't need the church, but it also says that your salvation is worked out in the world as opposed Mm -hmm. to, you know, a relationship that you have. And uh, I think I will not speak for him because I do not know him, but I would say he would argue that having that relationship means you do things in the world. Um, But again, that's my interpretation of it. So that's yeah. Gustavo Gutierrez, and that's that's liberation theology. And and what we see is that from him and that group of Latin American priests who then go out into the the world of Latin America, they set up these what they called base communities, which were basically where uh, people in different communities, a lot of poor communities, would sit around and I mean essentially do kind of a Bible study really and and talk about what they think that it means for them. And so it wasn't a priest telling them anymore. Um, It was them interpreting it for themselves. And from that, we get a whole lot of different uh, spring offs, I would say of different kind of theologies. Um, One of the things that comes directly from Latin American liberation theology is something called uh, uh, Sassi Diaz, um, she writes about Miaharista theology, which is Latin American, uh, basically feminist theology. And she says, you know, okay, you think the poorest of the poor will imagine being Latin American and also a woman, you know? Um, and so you get that kind of thing that comes out from, from that world. I get pretty annoyed, uh, when people, uh, what tends to happen in systematic theology are you people, um, is that, (laughs) Is that liberation theology gets called contextual theology? Yeah, which it shouldn't because everything it's is contextual. contextual. Yes, it's it, it's this idea that well, oh, the you know, black theology, queer theology, feminist, all that is being done from a context and it's through your own window, as though you know, white European male uh, theology is somehow done in some vacuum. That's, right not contextual it's a discredit it's trying to discredit it basically like we even saw last time was that bart everything bart is doing is in the context of world war ii you know Uh he's uh 
but the, I think the main difference and this is like massively splitting hairs and semantics and stuff is that Bart then is like, my context is informing my theology, but my theology is universal where a lot of the liberation theologies are like much more comfortable saying this theology is specifically helping certain groups or certain people and everybody should know it, but like, yeah, and our then, focus is this subset, you know. As if we don't do that. I mean, do you think Bart was taught? No, absolutely. I, mean, I I'm, really? I'm just saying, like, there. I think liberation theology is much more self-aware. Oh yeah, no, no, I agree with that. I think we're there. And Bart I just and, saw that and your, your friend came. The Germans are like, we're for everybody, <laughs> right? And if someone in, let's say, Latin America read Bart, they would probably be like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> <laughs> so it isn't actually. Right. Yeah. for everybody um anyway uh hi columba i saw that you came in yes hi, hi. So I, we, I snuck in it's so we um we thought that because we wanted to talk about some of these offshoots of theology that columba was going to be a great one i want to just do a like quick intro columba and i actually were at glasgow together um also studying under heather uh, so we can continue to sing her praises just constantly. <laughs> uh, but uh, fan people, my gosh. <laughs> uh, but now uh, you serve as the rector of St. Mark's Church in, is it Penyan? Penyan, yes. Penyan, okay. Uh, New York, which is a part of New York I didn't know existed until <laughs> we moved there. Um, and is it New York State or New York City? New York State. Okay. I mean, it's, I like, it's a big place. Is it like, <laughs> um, I don't know where, like, can you explain where it is? Cause I, I looked it up and then I immediately forgot it. <laughs> wow. So it is, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes me feel special. Thanks. Um, so it's in the sort of ambiguous area that is either central New York, Western New York or the Finger Lakes region. Um, con conveniently it is, I, I mean, I can look out my window here and see a lake. So I go with Ooh. Finger Lakes, um, oh, but we're about nice. two hours east of Buffalo and an hour and a half west of Syracuse and an hour south of Rochester. Um, wow. okay. You're just right is, in the middle. Well, sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that mean, that means no, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I yeah. mean. <laughs> she's a podcast host you have to say yes you have to do you have to he's never agreed with me a day in our lives I, I was gonna say I don't think that's gonna go well I think that's, that's okay one of the Christy and I very rarely agree on anything <laughs> look at our Twitter <laughs> one of the people in my life that I have uh I met and immediately I said I, I like literally said to him uh we're gonna be friends now I'm just warning you She's told me this story about multiple people, and I'm wondering if you're just kind of just scooping up random people, but they're unsuspecting victims. They're always of your friendship. They're always unsuspecting. They're always, you know, that meme about like introverts make friends with extroverts because the extrovert just like adopts them. I'm just like very <laughs> upfront about it. I'm like just gonna literally tell you, hello, I am your friend now. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's very fair. I, I will say that I don't think I felt bullied into it. 
good. You had consent. You had consent to be friends with Christy. I guess and if we had said like no, absolutely not, I would have been like, okay, fine. <laughs> I pushed I pushed her down the first time that I met her and told her to get away from me. <laughs> oh wow. That's, that's intense. I know. I didn't really. She, she didn't, but she I just I just yelled at her. It was fine. There was no physical like, violence involved. She just walked away. It was the same. Actually, I did. We've heard the story on here before. <laughs> I did. It's fine. So tell us about your wine club because I am deeply inspired oh, by you picking this this week. The, the wine, yeah. So the the Finger Lakes region is known for its vineyards. Um, so it's it's the sort of second fastest growing vineyard industry in the United States, um, behind Sonoma and Napa counties. And my wine is a Gruner Vetliner. Um, from Weiss Vineyards, which is down sort of the south end of Cupa Lake. Um, I live at the north end of Cupa Lake. Okay. Um, so it's it's local. Um, it's just from the wrong end of the lake. Wow. Super local. <laughs> um, Christy, mine's from California. Mine's from I, France. So <laughs> I don't think we have a leg to stand on. We don't. I, I don't. I don't think you can argue that. Yeah. No. What, not at all. <laughs> what kind of wine is it? It's a Gruner Vetliner. So it's a um, it's a white wine that's very dry but um, very palatable. I just want to point out that we have the Trinity of wines represented here. <laughs> Because you have a rosé. I have a rosé and Leah has a red. <laughs> Christy is 15 again and she's drinking a rosé. <laughs> I, I don't know that it's, it's an, an issue of again. I think Christy has just Christy remained just never stopped being 15. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Rosé is yeah. the gateway wine. That's what people would always tell me. <laughs> I, I think that's accurate. <laughs> Um, so we thought that we would, uh, cause I've done this sort of like explanation of like my, well, my drinking wine version of Vatican to you and, um, Latin American, <laughs> Latin American theology, um, liberation theology. But what I, what happens next is sort of a, uh, succession, su- succession, uh, yeah, whatever it, things, things happen, things happen. And um, you get like women's rights and civil rights. And mm-hmm. you did, uh, Christy said queer theology, but correct me if I'm wrong, that that doesn't, not the, 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 the gay rights movement, but queer theology doesn't come at least into prominence till like, is it the 90s or a bit later or? Yeah, the, the sort of early mid 90s. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it really evolves out of queer theory. Mm-hmm. Um, which- leaning more toward the the sort of feminist theory side of things but yeah yeah so we thought you know you've got um feminist black uh womanist uh queer i've done some stuff in disability theology which comes out of uh, a lot of uh, nancy island and then also some of the scottish context um but we thought we would just kind of throw around some of these and talk about them because one of the things that happens with uh, Gutierrez is when he opens up this idea that, you know, especially with the base communities, that you can do theology in your house with your friends. <laughs> and even if you don't fit into the church anymore, you can, you know, do that. And all of a sudden it opens up this world of, um, you know, 
is theology Mar- happening on the ground. Is it Marcella that says to do theology in your underwear? Uh, she, she probably so. would be less, so. less than that. you can do theology in anything in, in not your underwear yeah. <laughs> right I think <laughs> I know she does it in fetish boots at one stage but yeah um so so yeah like I think uh I talked a lot about Gutierrez um Christy do you want to talk about uh, yeah I'll black, just like black a, and womanist theology? Uh, yeah quick like um <clears throat> so Feminist theology as a uh, kind of broad stroke starts um, right at the, it starts actually a little bit before, um, but 50s and then 60s, um, again, working alongside of the women's movement, um, second wave feminism, uh, but a lot of the feminists responding to the men specifically on the issue of sin, which is a, a topic for a podcast we'll do someday, but um and saying right, we that, already talked about it today <laughs> t- saying that <laughs> men of sin as pride and like being too egotistical was not helpful for women because women are inherently uh self-giving and um and so there's a lot of uh kind of women's sin is self-negation instead of pride um so again kind of the same ideas but uh most of that feminist theology is coming from again white women in very privileged privileged mm-hmm. spaces um when the civil rights movement also is happening we get james cone who is uh, uh probably the most important or uh famous in black theology who was working off of a kind of um understanding of karl bart's work but he really is focusing on oppression in terms of the struggle of black americans um and you'll see him talking quite a bit about lynching um and the ways that certain aspects of the bible are especially helpful for black american experience so Mm -hmm. things like exodus um and the idea of escaping slavery uh but also the idea of Jesus being, um, being multiply oppressed mm-hmm. because he was no. not just um, Jewish in a Roman empire, but he was also Nazarene and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are multiple others, but Martin Luther King Jr. also takes part in this as well. But um, so you have both of those things going on and then you get my favorite part of it, which um <laughs> is womanist theology and womanist theology (laughs) comes from a definition by alice walker uh who says that um womanism is to feminism like lavender is to purple um and so it's uh really feminism for black women and talking about their um intersectional oppressions the ways that they are both oppressed by um society at large because of their blackness um but even also black men because they're women and so they do a lot of work with that and i did a lot of work on my dissertation with katie cannon who um did womanism in terms of a look at literature and the works of zora neale hurston specifically um and how black women 
uh, show up for their community. Black women sacrifice for their community. She talks a lot about chattel slavery in that as well, uh, but also the ways that Black women are able to save their community. It's a, a really interesting um, and kind of poignant way of, of looking at literature as being kind of helpful to understand what Black women are going through um, and how that relates to our development of theology. Um, and Union Seminary becomes this kind of, in New York, I should say, becomes yeah. this kind of hotbed for all of that sort of yeah, yeah. stuff so that you, you talked about. A whole lot of um, people coming out of that and, and doing more and more work on it. Um, I'm Sean Copeland and Kelly Brown Douglas, who Columba um, mm -hmm. studied under as well. Um, and some other women who just do really um, pivotal work. And you can see that also reflected in a lot of the women who are doing um, more public theology and uh, kind of uh, dealing with womanist issues in public spaces on Instagram. There's a ton of them who are doing fantastic work just through, um, through their platforms on Instagram. And uh, we can link a bunch of those people as well. But um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And some shout outs too to some of the feminist uh, writers, you know, Mary Daly. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah. well, and uh, Ruther and yeah. those folks. Who Valer Valerie Saving, I think, wrote um, one of the most important first works. Kind of, uh, again, what I was referencing before about self negation for women. Um, Elizabeth Schultzer Fiorenza redoing some hermeneutics or some understanding of the Bible. Um, oh gosh, I remember the first time I read Phyllis Trouble. I read her in seminary, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. "Man!" So Phyllis Trouble writes a book called Texts of Terror, mm -hmm. I mean, amongst other things, and she's writing about um, women. I think specifically in the Old Testament. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's you're like, man, yeah. this was terrifying. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's really, I think it's really interesting. And, and you also get conversations between them. Like we were talking about before, like these, these women were writing back and forth to each other. Uh -huh. um, mm -hmm. And then uh, I think it's important also just to keep, you know, kind of thinking about the ways that liberation theology, it's not, it's not doing like, itself in a vacuum of itself either. Like uh, these people were interacting with the systematic theologians um, calling out some of their stuff. Uh, you know, it, it was really just kind of um, making theology into that conversation that it mm -hmm. should be. Like you've said these things, right. they're helpful, but they're not quite right or they're not complete or we need to make some asterisks asterisk is a hard word to say when you've had some rosé. <laughs> rosé does. Loose lips. Uh, so yeah, it's it. You just start getting a lot of those back and forth, and I think that's a really important part of how theology mm -hmm. works. Is that it's supposed to be like we're doing now, having a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I, I always love the story, uh, which I think is is true. I, I mean, again, it's a story, but from Mary Daly. When she was at, uh, gosh, what was it? Boston College. I don't know. My brain. <laughs> Wine. Ah! Uh, I think it's Boston that sounds, College. That sounds um, right. 
It's that part of theology of is knowing a lot of cards <clears throat> about a, a lot of people <laughs> having little cards. But um, she taught a class and discovered that the women weren't speaking up in the class. And so she asked mm-hmm. if the guys would mind. I don't know if she asked. I think she told. I doubt she asked. <laughs> I was going to say, I think she told. Mary guys, Daly was not an ask person. <laughs> she's not. She's not at all. She's, she's a badass. Um, but basically, she was like girls only in this class because she noticed that the mm-hmm. dynamic wasn't working. Like women yeah. weren't speaking mm-hmm. in the classes. And she said she would tutor the men separately if they wanted to have the class so they could still have the class, which I thought was quite generous because she at that stage probably could have just like, like she could have just I mean she started her own way of writing the English language. So mm-hmm. she could do what she wanted. <laughs> she just did what she wanted to do, which is But I remember they tried to kick her out, I think, of Boston College and there was this petition that went around and it was actually a lot of the male students that, that were trying to to get her to be saved essentially um and Mm -hmm. i thought that was quite telling um but columba we've been talking a lot i want to give you an opportunity to talk about your your (laughs) world please (laughs) teach us everything you're allowed in our class so you well (laughs) thank you (laughs) i appreciate that i i just i i want to tie together the the womanist theology thread um, to queer theology and just highlight that there's a phenomenal pastor, um, Yvette Blunder, who runs the, uh, what is it called? It's a UCC church in Oakland called the City of Refuge. Um, and she's a phenomenal preacher, theologian. Um, and, and you know, that's, that's my sort of great tie-in to queer theology, which... Mm you know, in, in many ways is, is still developing a consciousness um, where we've sort of inherited gay theology. Um, there's there's a meme and I realize trying to explain a meme. Um, I know, it's the worst. <laughs> in, in this format is not ideal, but, and Christy's probably seen it because I've shared it a bunch, but <laughs> the, the the sort of, the, you know, it's, it's a tweet format and the top of it says when when they say LGBTQ rights, they mean, and so you've got like an, a, a little L in maybe 20 point font, a G in 72 point font, mm. a, a B sort of in 12, mm. a, a T that's that's maybe really just a period and then Q's sort of just not even on the page. Yeah. Um, and so the <laughs> queer theology has sort of grown out of gay theology as most things around LGBTQ issues do. There's, there's that sort of um, homonormative thing that happens there that, you know, white, white gay men are the, yes. the, oh, the, the palatable, so yeah. Yeah, the, so the palatable re- version of queers. We're just cycling oh. back to where we started. <laughs> <laughs> but like not, but you know what I'm saying? Like we're good. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it, and, and it, it's really evolved out of queer theory. Like I said before that, you know, folks like, um, Michelle Foucault, Judith Butler, mm. Eve Sedgwick, you know, have have sort of taken taken the the sort of queer theory reality of you know queerness as people as as humans, um, and and looked to religion to say, what is it about religion that demonizes queerness? Mm. Um, so you you get that with Michelle Foucault um, and the history of sex and things like that, and 
Cedric and Butler sort of pick it up and and run with it, which ultimately leads us to um, to Marcella. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which, yes. Which, Marcella. Yeah. Marcella's <laughs> coming out of that Latin America um, liberation context and says, you know we can see the Bible as leaning toward, um, leaning toward the oppressed. And that includes women, queer people, and the things that we do with our bodies. Um, yeah. So, so of course the, the, the image of Marcella and, and the kinky boots um, <laughs> speaks to that very, very yeah. loudly. Mm. But, but at, at the heart of it, you know, queer theology is pointing to, you know, theology that is done with, by and for queer people, yeah. um, which, which of course still largely focuses on that, like that white cis gay mm. trope of, of what queerness is, um, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if we can thank Will and Grace for that or something <laughs> else, but, but, but that's, that's the reality is um, yeah. mm. so, so much of queer identity is shaped by white cis gay men. Mm. Um, but it's it you know really focuses in in the same way that feminist, womanist, and you know other liberative theologies focus on the, the sort of unshackling of, of our biblical theological assumptions around what um, what who who we are as mm-hmm. created beings who are you know supposedly stamped with the image of God. Um, yeah. And I, I don't want to hog airtime on that, but uh, we we celebrate. Oh, please do, please, please do. do. Yeah, that's that's why I'm here. I I, it's, I, I mean, we invited so you. Selfish. I was going to say yeah. that's why you're here. Please hog all of that time. I, yeah, I, I should be selfish, selfish, <laughs> selfish <laughs> about my airtime. Um, I I I was sitting. I I will disclose to the listeners that I was sitting waiting for about forty five minutes. So this is my. <laughs> Third yes. that was my fault <laughs> I, I, I gave him an i gave him a way too early time start yeah and, and then i hit me like no sorry <laughs> but it, it was fine i mean i sat here and i was productive but i haven't eaten since breakfast so oh is, lord um, but also that this, this is, is my lunch. supposed to be for this podcast so and that's uh, yeah and, and christy probably wouldn't share this but you know i i have the alcohol tolerance of um a herd of bison. Wow. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it, here's the thing. I, I think say, I've already forgotten my own name, so I don't. There are only a few people. Like, this is a weird thing to brag about, and I'm. It's not necessarily a brag, but like, there are only a few people who I feel like can like very much outdrink me, and I, you are definitely one of those people. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Christy. Thanks. Yeah. I didn't yeah. know my name. <laughs> Leah, I it's just fun. want to remind you of the drag queens in Denver. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's a story. And, that's a story. For and, and and I'm like three of you, so <laughs> it's fine. I it's fine. <laughs> but what I was going to say um, was, this past Saturday we um, we celebrated Finger Lakes Pride um, in Geneva, New York, which is about 14 miles up the road from me. Um, and it, it was a really great environment um i think about three o'clock i went and spoke with the the organizing team and they'd already had something like 1400 people mm. come through the come through the welcome booths yeah um, but i you know i was reflecting in our bible study group at church this morning that 
of the 32 vendors that were there, two of us were churches. So it was mm. St. Mark's Church, which wow. really um, encompassed other churches. We, we had the, the church in Geneva and the church in Clifton Springs and, and our, um, our bishop for the Episcopal Diocese of Rochester came and, and a retired clergy from down south of us. Um, but, but adjacent to us was um, a, a, it was two Methodist churches, the Methodist Church from Geneva and Seneca Falls, which of course Seneca Falls has the women's history thing going on. Um, but so, you know, between <laughs> us and these Methodists, you know, we, we were sort of capturing a certain audience and it was not necessarily the people for whom they, they look at a church booth and say, oh, that's a church. That's mm -hmm. really great. But maybe the people say, say, oh, that's a church. I'm going to keep walking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's not an immediate thing that they put together. Oh, they're here because they're affirming or because whatever. Um, and it, and it, it, it at least cracks, it, it cracks the egg and, and maybe something great can come from it someday. But yeah. the, the sort of highlight of where I was going with that was um, I was sort of outworking the crowd at some point. And I, I will say that when Christy knew me, I was much more introverted than I seem to be today. Um, <laughs> I, I redid the Myers-Briggs last summer and I, I think I may beat Christy's extrovert score. Oh, I don't know that that's possible. I like broke her well, I mean. Wall. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's fine. But also look, look, look at what the pandemic has done to us, right? Yeah. But we're, so we're all, I saw a shirt that says we're all indoor cats now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm out working the crowd and this person comes up to me. And so I'm, I'm there in a, you know, I'm wearing all black because that's what I do. Um, sometimes I'm not wearing all black today. I do have black jeans on. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I had I had my my full dog collar mm. over a t or under a t shirt that said "This pastor loves you" with with the pastor in sort of rainbow like uh, mm -hmm. letters. Um, and so this this person comes up and says, "Are you really a pastor?" And, and I sort of say, "No, I'm just wearing this for comfort because <laughs> before anything else, I'm an asshole." Um, <laughs> and, it's a good line. It's a good line. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so they sort of say, oh, well, you know, my, my brother's a Baptist pastor mm. and, and he has a lot of opinions about my coming out. And so we, mm. we you know, I, I sort of hear their story a little and, um, you know, the, the sort of thing that I've taken away from this conversation is they've said to their brother, it feels to me that you'd be happier for me to just be a eunuch mm. and never, mm. you know, never have an identity. Yeah. sexual or gender or otherwise yeah then then for you to actually embrace who who I am becoming and and I you know I a a friend of Christy and I or a, a friend of Christy and someone I know um once said to me <laughs> you you sneeze and prayers come out and and that's kind of kind of what happened was I I, I just opened my mouth and words came out um which is really what happens in, in all situations because I don't I don't think I was created with a filter. Um, Neither were we. We weren't either. That's a, that's a different episode, though. That's why you're um, waiting for 45 minutes. 
my husband, I, I mean, my I, husband was profusely apologizing for being a, a male today <laughs> to me because I was raging. As well, he should. <laughs> we had to get through um, that before I could record. Yeah, so so I'm so I'm talking to this person whose whose name is Dana, um, and and they say, you know, all of this about about the the Baptist Baptist pastor Baptist pastor brother. Yeah. And and I just sort of say, you know, so many people read God and theology and scripture in such a way that even limits, you know, sort of the the typical people of the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the yeah. straight cis normative, you know, patriarchy kind of things that that even even the way they read God limits that. And so for them, them to sort of take such a focused, narrow, um, just limited view of what Genesis means when we hear that God created them in God's image. Mm. Mm -hmm. That even in my queerness and, and this person's queerness, that God is still visible to those around us. Yeah. And, you know, it it, it is such a travesty that you know, these, these sort of conservative fundamentalist Christians have the dominant voice in, in our country, in, in our, because there's so much more than, there's so much more. I think, sorry to interject. I think that's the thing that seminary, like Lee and I talked about this, um, you know, I think on our first episode or something, like, yeah. when did you realize that, like, you know, when, when I realized I could do this or when I realized that the box I was in wasn't necessarily yeah. correct or whatever. Yeah. And to, to learn about how <laughs> theology is done across the globe, across mm-hmm. time, across people groups generally, and to see all of the very different ways that it's reflected really yeah. allowed me like more space to say, yeah. you know, okay, so, so if God is big enough for all of this, mm. you know, surely we can have some disagreements. We can, mm-hmm. um, you know, be, be uncomfortable, which be I uncomfortable with I stuff. remember when yeah. I first started reading Marcel, yeah. we're talking about Marcel Altalstreet, by the way, if you guys, yeah, yeah. earlier I was like, we should, oh, she's, just a, she's just a one named, but I remember when I first read it and I was so deeply uncomfortable. It's and I was, so uncomfortable. Yeah. But I was like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> because it has to be, because it it's to be. indecent. And that's the point. That's that's right. what I tell my that's right. all the time. If you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. It's like, and I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't bored. Yeah. I wasn't no. bored. Yeah. <laughs> and and two, it's like all of that discomfort, all of those disagreements, all of that stuff. You know what? At the end of the day, we're still supposed to love each other because mm. that is the yeah. that is the thing Jesus said, right? He's like, love God and Amen. love other people. And that is the thing Augustine yeah. said. Love God and do what you want. And like <laughs> and, and, and to and to consider and to continually insist that there is a box that you must fit into mm. is not an exercise of love. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's an you, exercise. You must of, fit in this cube. That's right. Yeah. Control. That's not love. Control. It's not. Yes, it's control. Um, and people who Absolutely. are in charge like to keep their control. And they so we, yeah. we saw, you know, we, we were, I was, 
bitching, uh, righteously bitching earlier about the Southern Baptist huh. Convention. Overthrow those tables. Mm. Yeah, I want to throw the tables. <laughs> I understand why. Like, and I want to not care. And it's interesting because yeah. it's like I want to walk away and say, "Well, I'm over here doing my stuff, and you know what? Screw you guys. I don't give a flying mm-hmm. flip what you're doing." Mm-hmm. But that's not throwing the tables. That's just letting them yeah. keep on. And it's like yeah. I I saw this TikTok. <laughs> you're so hip christy i was uh, scrolling tipped as i do to ruin any scroll. kind of sleep that i might get as mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I look at tiktok before i go to sleep and there was this guy who sorry I'm, i have now like the rose hiccups um <laughs> that's on you that's, that's on your choices there was this guy saying that there is a nazi Nazi came to his town with a sign that said hitler was right Mm. and he went and got his own sign Mm. that said the only good nazi is a dead nazi and then just started screaming at him and he was like get out of our town you're not welcome here and but he was like but sometimes you have to be angry and you have to scream and like jesus you have to flip those tables and like yeah that (laughs) Well, here's a question for you, Columba, I do have, because I um, I remember reading Marcella about the same time as I was reading um, Radical Love, the Chang. Oh, yeah. Peter Chang. Peter book. Chang. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, and Patrick. Patrick. Patrick, sorry. Patrick Chang. Much, yeah. <clears throat> and it's it's been a minute, and there's there's been some yeah. wine. But also, yeah. um, and I remember reading his book. And thinking, wow, that would be a great introduction to a church because there's even like study yeah. questions at the end of, of it and stuff. Yeah. And then reading Marcel and being like, wow, I don't think I could ever take that to a church, <laughs> you know? And so, but, yeah. but for, you know, and I wonder, do you think that these topics, at least if we're talking about the organized church, uh, largely speaking, do you think that it needs to kind of be shocked? or be softly introduced <laughs> you know like I, and I don't oh, know God. I don't know the answer yeah I I mean I I it doesn't have to be those authors specifically but just no I yeah yeah I I, I lean into the shock mm. but as as someone oriented toward pastoral care which is you know however many percents of my job mm-hmm. um there there it has to be done tactfully and there has to be a layer of trust mm. yeah so it it's it's intriguing that this question comes up because in bible study today following this very same conversation about um about my new trans friend um you know one one of our really dedicated, really passionate, theological thinking lay women said to me, you know, one of one of the things that I, I sort of remember standing out in in our interview with Columba when he first came and was, you know, d- discerning a call to St. Mark's was that he identified himself as queer. Mm. And and uh, this 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 woman is 77. She has a background as um, a school administrator. Uh-huh. And so she says, for the last 50, 70 years, whatever, I have thought queer as a dirty word that you yeah. don't say it. And here was someone saying it and identifying it. And, you know, 
and, and the, the conversation turned toward reclamation and the reality that, um, you know, whether you want to call it tone policing or, you know, what whatever other term that, that Ron DeSantis would call us what <laughs> we're using, um, you know, in, in many ways, we, we have to write our own stories. And it's, it's not up to us to be, it's, it's not an invitation for us to be palatable to everyone. Mm, mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. when, when you have the sort of difference between um, Marcella or Patrick Cheng, you know, Patrick Cheng, who is an Episcopalian, is, is much more palatable. Because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know he's he's a he's a cis gay. <laughs> <laughs> Rome, tell oh. me more. <laughs> but and 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 that's and that's not meant to be shady. I mean, we're we're Facebook friends. I I think he's he's done a lot of really good and powerful things for this church. Yeah. Um. And at the same time, I think it needs to go further. Mm. One one of the the great mm -hmm. barriers of of um. LGBTQ issues in the Episcopal Church, especially, is once we got to gay marriage, mm -hmm. once we got to 2015 and gay marriage was a thing, everyone sort of said, okay, well done, let's go home. Yeah. But there's so much more to keep doing. And especially now in a political environment where everyone seems to care who uses what bathroom. Yeah. Um, you know, that, yep. that, that has a <laughs> theological basis. Excuse me. You know how how we understand biology, like like you said on last week's episode. You know all of all of academia comes out of theological colleges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Every everything we understand about existence in the Western world comes from theology. Yeah, from from a theological circumstance, and for us to take someone like Patrick Cheng into Bible study, or or you know a, a book discussion group and say here's a rationale for why we need to care about LGBTQ issues in the world is a really nice, sensitive way to do it. Yeah. Keyword nice and, though. Can I yeah, offer nice. a compromise? And, yeah. Um, have, I'm sure you've read it because I know that I read it when we were still in Glasgow, but uh, Lynn Tonstad's book, so you you Wait. actually said that to me because you read it after you read it after I left, but it was it was only shortly okay. after because I had I had just moved into the rectory at St. Mary's, so yeah. it was probably November, twenty eighteen. Okay, which, which I, one? Which is, one is it? The queer theology one? The queer the, theology book. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was yeah. trying to remember the name of it, but yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think the thing with that is, is I. Well, and, and you, you all can tell me what you think, but it's, it, you know, with, with Lynn, brilliant, just beyond brilliant. Brilliant. Um, and have drank red wine with her in the past as well. She's a um, fantastic person to drink wine with. She's a fantastic yeah. person to drink wine with. Gave me my first Negroni. I never had a Negroni before. <laughs> I was wow. there. Yeah. She did. She slipped it to Leah. She did. She wow. slipped it. I forgot about it until I got on the plane and then I remember. But um, I... But do you think it's a little too, because there's accessible. No, because you, queer theology, that, yeah. I don't know if you've read, queer theology is not a very academic book. Okay. No, um, I haven't. So I, I haven't. Her other it, stuff, her other stuff is I was going to say, level. is it too dense? Yeah. Is what her my other stuff is really do. high level. Very, very 
academic, but yeah. theology, okay. she really wrote for people. Fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think I, I read through it in probably just a few days. And it was really short. It was really quick. Yeah. I just really appreciate it. In the beginning, she was like, I am not here to argue for my existence. Yeah. I'm mm. yes. to move the conversation farther. Yes. And I was like, yeah, because that's really all that's been happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was, I really enjoyed that just kind of stance. I'm not here because we can have the, I mean, we're not going to have those conversations because none of us here are biblical scholars, but like you can go Thank over God. what? To, right. Uh, <laughs> we are ministers of the Lord. We are, we are <laughs> the queen of the sciences here. Speak for you yourself. You can go to the biblical scholars and you can ask them about those verses and be like, what does this mean? And, and we can have all those conversations, but like that has been done for decades and if yeah. you're not willing yeah. to hear what's already been said about it yes there's nothing else we can do for you yeah you know and, and, and that's that's the sort of struggle that that i think the methodist church has encountered in their their disaffiliation debacle is you've got little pockets of the country that you know whether they've been led by conservative bishops or or they've had conservative pastors for 40 years or what whatever the circumstance is you have people who are so sort of indoctrinated feels like a strong word, but I'm going to use it Yeah. Mm -hmm. to think that that queer people are tearing apart the fiber of humanity, that, that everything that's wrong with the world is because of queer people. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you've, you've got these pockets that, that are so convinced and, and I saw a bumper sticker, and I, I, I later figured out who it belonged to. And we had a fabulous conversation about this. <laughs> but the bumper, sticker, the bumper sticker read, it is so much easier to... Oh, shit. <laughs> See? That's, that that's, that's what it's, happens at this hour. It, the it white is, wine heads. It is. It is. It, it is so easier to fool someone than to convince them they've been fooled. Ooh. And that's, you know, that is applicable to Ron DeSantis and certain other political leaders of our time. But but looking at this specific thing, when when you grow up knowing or being told, being indoctrinated, right, that that queerness is bad, that that, you know, the queers are going to hell because that's where, where they belong because they do butt stuff or, or whatever, <laughs> you know, there's, there's this, this sort of. It's going to be awful and, crowded uh, down there with all. I was going to say. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but it's, it's created this really awful environment that doesn't allow you to think outside of that reality that you're sort of built into. And, you know, one of, one of the great gifts that St. Mark's gives to me is, I'm like pastor number seven who is some stripe of LGBTQ. Mm. You know, I, I don't have to come in and do the work. Mm. Yeah. And, and I can come in and do the advocacy that's needed in this community. I mean, Yates, Yates County, New York is still a bright red county. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we are the progressive church in, in Yates County. Yeah. And we have that as our mission in the world. And it's not every church's mission. You no. know, not every church is, is going to do this work, but for for the people for whom it's it's needed, there needs to be the churches that that can say, you know, you you are just as deserving 
of, of eternal life and and you are just as imprinted with the image of god as the rest of us mm-hmm. yeah and you spoke about the methodist you know uh, i'm in the methodist world i teach methodist ministers now um yeah. and it's tearing them apart and mm-hmm. it's w- one of the things i will say is i i saw a graph of how many so those of you who maybe don't know out there uh the methodist church just very recently had a vote um and i think it was was it to affirm LGBT uh, it, pastor? It, it was wasn't. It, it it wasn't even that reaching. It it was to sort of open the potential. Okay. To do that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, um, so, but yeah. So anyway, that and and there was a choice. United my ass that <laughs> they could <laughs> disaffiliate. They could disaffiliate if yeah. they didn't uh, essentially agree with it. And it's yeah. been really uh, a quite a, um, a you know a thing, and and it's really I can see the hurt in a lot of my students' eyes yeah. that yeah. my master students who are, who are training for ministry, and yeah. you know um, <clears throat> I will say that the percentage though that have dis yeah that's the best noise. <laughs> that have dis oh no it's empty oh no, no, no. <laughs> that was the end of it <laughs> oh. you just got to go take take your little uh, boat down the, the lake and get started. <laughs> Go pick, uh, pick some grapes. But um, the, the percentage is actually pretty small that have actually chosen yeah. to, which is, yeah. which is, I will say very uh, exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But back to something that you said prior, um, it's it's interesting because there's all these debates you know yeah and we talked about that florida guy and all that stuff um uh that i know it's devastating here i mean i'm sorry i mean you know whatever we had the bathroom stuff in north carolina it's the whole thing too but we um but i we're on the battlegrounds guys that's something we can say Mm um but this idea too is that they're going after uh they're go they being you know the proverbial they are going after trans you know rights and things like that um and then they're also saying we saw this week in the southern baptist church women can't be ministers Uh um and again if you you break apart these arguments um it isn't about religion anymore it's not about created beingness it's what who are you who are you affirming here wait we're back to that conversation again yeah Yeah. it's always just about power and wanting to keep the power and i mean honestly it's it's the thing like i mean all of this is wrapped up in is what gutierrez was saying it's what james cone was saying um it's it's how do we understand that what the story we see about Jesus, which is what all of this is supposed to be like centered yeah. on. I don't yeah. mean to get super Bartian here, but oh, it, Lord, like, Lord. Jesus, you need Jesus more wine. The thing, more, right? It's about how we understand God through the person and the work of Jesus. And right. like, right. if that's the focus and Jesus was, oppressed jesus was homeless um jesus was poor jesus was you know good job jesus was often defined as a drunkard my favorite part of that (laughs) definitely drank wine as we drink our wine jesus would approve yeah 
Um, that yeah. like the point is not to be like, how do we get control of the empire? How do we have, uh-huh. you know, all uh-huh. the money, how do that? That's never been what yeah. we're supposed to be doing. And yeah. yet that's the thing. The money yeah. stuff gets me a lot sometimes, Christy, I'll be honest, because he was very clear about the money. Very clear. Yeah. Like, and Absolutely. that just has, especially with things like not even the prosperity gospel, but this whole, like, I don't know. I think it's a Gen Z thing. It's definitely not an elder millennial thing, which is what I am. But like the hustle culture of like, if you just, uh-huh. and God will bless you and yeah. all this stuff. And yep. I'm like, I don't remember any of that. You know, what's <clears throat> most strange to me is that even outside of like obvious prosperity gospels, I remember looking back when I was a kid and my parents kind of being like, like, we don't, cause when I was, um, like, pr- like one to 10, I guess we were a little bit <laughs> more, I'm not trying weirdly to vague and weirdly specific at the same time. <laughs> when I turned 10, my dad got a job at a bank and then we were not struggling. Um, <laughs> Damn. prior to that yeah. hashtag humble brag, I know, like, <laughs> look, I acknowledge my privilege. That was my ma- major part of it. But like prior to that, my parents would be like, you know, here are our friends and they have all this money. And why doesn't God love us? Like uh-huh. that? And like, uh-huh. it's just, I don't know. It Like, I just was very confused about it as a kid. Cause I was like, God loves us. Like we just, we just live our uh-huh. lives. Like, why are we so weirdly focused on this money part? But now well, like, I have to pay my own bills. I'm like, Huh. tell me about it <laughs> you know like god could you love me a little bit more but <laughs> a little bit more uh-huh <laughs> um but she really... says at the beach at florida <laughs> i was gonna say you're you're on vacation this week while the rest of us are working look so i i'm not working i am that. still <laughs> leah's on vacation i have online classes i oh, was in the okay, office it's fine interviewing that's, people that's, today that's your penance that's your penance <laughs> i'm pretty sure she was at the pool yesterday which i was at the she pool she sent me a message telling me how it was on instagram how was... sad she was about how hot she was at the pool it was so hot i had to get into the water twice oh my god it was it oh. was 60 degrees here today i am wearing flannel oh jesus no just saying it was it was also like 85 degrees on saturday so. <laughs> Like, we've all lived in Scotland. We can't complain. It's about true. I was like, right. the Scottish right. are currently melting to death. And oh yeah, they are. They oh, are. are they? They're all. My, boiling my mother-in-law was like, my mother-in-law who lives in Aberdeenshire was like, it's hot. And every time a Scottish person says it's hot, oh. it, it's like not a like it's hot <clears throat> exclamation. It's like it's hot. You may not hear from me again. <laughs> like, but, but but their high today is eighty. And let's be real, we all lived in Scotland when it was eighty degrees, and there is no air conditioning. Oh, there's no God. air conditioning. Well, and our friend Helen and it's humid. He was like, yeah, our buildings are designed to retain heat. Yes. So her her inside of her home was hotter than it was outside, and I was like, "That is yeah. the thing I remember being miserable is that you. It's like yes. like the temperature doesn't look hot, but there's nowhere to like cool off." I was telling yeah. I was yeah. telling her I was like I was an external examiner at a London college, mm. and I remember it was a heat wave, quote unquote. But it really <laughs> was a heat wave, and they stuck me in like a mm-hmm. basement with a bunch of like 
uh, final exam mm-hmm. and just opened it. They were like, we'll crack it a window. It smell terrible. Cracked a window. And I was like, I was, I'm a Southern girl. And I was like, I might die here. Yeah. yeah, I'll die in a basement yeah. in London. It'll be so <laughs> 1800s true crime. I can't wait. For it. That's yeah. They'll yeah. just stick me in a well somewhere, and they'll like, find me. None of those people yeah. were made for heat, but also none of their buildings were made for heat. Right. Um, we are coming up on 87 minutes, which is absolutely delightful. Oh. I wanted to ask if you had any <laughs> last statements, but. Well, we. I, this I, is the sad part is we reached the end of the podcast, but we're like at the height of the drinking, which is the I fun know, part. It's the worst part. But I, I did have it. There was a question that we had, I think, on um, Twitter that was, "What was our favorite favorite Scottish saying?" And oh, I feel yeah. like this would be a good question for. This is a great us. question. Well, cons- considering the weather, it has to be taps off. Taps off. Taps off. dot com is my favorite yes, Scottish yes. website. <laughs> Oh, is that a Absolutely. thing? It's, it's a the thing. map that tells you if it's taps off in your area or not. So oh, will you please define for our listeners what taps off I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> so so it, if, if we translate it into American, <laughs> it is tops off. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and it says if the weather is pleasant enough for you to be outside, probably for men to be outside with their tops off. Probably, mm. yes. <laughs> and they're going to take the tops off with no sunscreen. They're going to be yes. blindingly white at the beginning of they the day be and then a literal beast. lobster at the end of the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I I did have a closing comment and Please I was do. Please do. in my Facebook memories like 10 days ago. But in 2018, which is now 5 years ago. Jesus. Um Christy uh-huh. and I went on this really lovely adventure together. And I don't actually remember what we did. I just remember that one of the photos from that day was me standing in front of the um, the Big Willie Distillery sign. Nice, <laughs> um, nice. But but we ended up back at my apartment <clears throat> and fulfilled one of Christie's lifelong wishes, and that was to have a surprise party. It was it was the for her birthday. Day. You've never had a surprise party until that. No, day. she has and had one surprise party. Well, of course, yes, pretty and and truly, and wow. maybe this is my own fault, but like I have told every human I have ever known <laughs> that I wanted a surprise party, and no that one has ever be, given me one. Could be part just Only being reflective. That could be part of your problem. It it absolutely. I mean. How do you throw a surprise party for somebody who's regularly asking you to throw them a surprise party? I understand. Well, well Columbia, how did you do it? How did you do it? I, we we just went on an adventure, and I have no idea what we did. I I think that was that was the day we sat. I remember. The, so drinking was that was that the day we we went to Waterstones and sat sat down in in the coffee shop down in Waterstones. No, for like three hours we went. Then... Uh, we went to the people's. Um, palace in Glasgow. Which oh, that's is, right. Um, how yes. do we describe the People's Palace? It's like a little museum it's, slash it's a little museum garden. slash botanic garden yeah. slash slash whatever shop. whatever they decide <clears throat> with to make a really it funky barista. I think yeah. it's closed now, which is devastating. Oh. Um, and then we went to uh, city center, and you started making me go to the strangest stores. Mm. Well, like, because I was trying to buy time. You were trying to buy time. Everyone showed up. You were like, time. "Let's go into this coffee sh- or this chocolate shop," and I was like, mm. "What? Oh my god, the co- the chocolate shop at the at that hotel." Uh, oh. Yeah, but yes, it was it was one of my favorite things, and 
we got back to Columbus apartment and all of our friends were there and I was, I mean, just beyond touched that I had only been there for nine months at that point. Um, yeah. And just really like amazingly beyond touched that they had all conspired to actually throw me a surprise party. You were just even- saying it was my idea. <laughs> It Hashtag worked. humble brag too. <laughs> <laughs> Christy was super freaking rich and Columbus can throw a freaking surprise party. That's right. That's right. And she had no idea. She we walked into my flat and she was like, Why is this door closed? And I was like, oh, it was like, what is happening right now? And so I was like, just go in and wake him up. And she walked in and there were like 15 people in, in our lounge that were like, surprise. It was great. And Christy, Did you cry? Christy, Did you cry? She cried. She cried. <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have video proof. There is video cried. of it. Yeah. I love a good cry. There is. There is video of it. This is before you were even the replacement Leah, which is what you became later. <laughs> it is. It's before I became replacement Leah. It was before I met <laughs> all those people. <laughs> When uh, Columbia, whenever she met my friends, because um, I'd left at that stage to come back to the States, and they yeah. just kept yeah, calling me. and I just barely knew each other. Yeah, we were passing in the, probably for the best. Um, <laughs> but she they kept calling her replacement Leah. <laughs> Which I was that, so, that so mad about. Okay. It was, it was, but for an extrovert, it, I think it, it, it hit deep. It, it cut, it yeah. cut. Yeah. Cut to the quick. Okay. Um, Leah, do you want to say your favorite? Now, now we're at like 92 minutes. I know. Right? I know. It's fine. I don't care. It's our podcast. We can do yeah. it. We also, no, one's, no one's made it this far. No one's I, made it this far. They, I they warned you them. I said, buckle up. It's going to be a long one. I know. But also, I just like talking to you. So would you come back on our podcast again? I, w- I will be back as long as you don't make me wait for 45 minutes. <laughs> I, I, we can't confirm that. We can't confirm that. <laughs> <every night. laughs> I, how many I times have I made you wait 45 minutes? It's been a lot of times. I appreciate that you request it's that fine. and it will be logged into our official log, but we sure. can't we can't confirm. Can't confirm. No, that's fine. But you can anytime. You can start drinking ahead of time, which yeah. I mean that's I, always that's an option. what I did. That's what I did. I mean that's we would yeah. strongly suggest that if we make anyone well, wait I, for that amount of time. I have a lot of other other things to say, so I, I mean, I, I'm very opinionated. I mean, same. Oh, we're not. We're um, wilting violets, so it's fine. It's true. <laughs> Leah, what's your favorite Scottish phrase? Anyone listening to Scottish, that believes that. Scottish phrase. <laughs> My favorite Scottish phrase is for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great one, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, still, I still say that just like, just regularly. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Because it, it's such a... I will say when I lived, because I did live in Belfast for a year and mm. um, crack, uh, as in crack like, is good. Yeah. Crack is good because mm-hmm. it's like, what's the crack? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? You know, is, yeah, what's the crack, crack like? I remember like, the first time I came back to the States and I said, oh, that was some good crack. And, and like, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult when people are like, yes. Did you go <clears throat> see some builders or yes. something? Like, what, what do you mean? But like, yeah. um, yeah, so I think that one, but I, I do think the one I use the most, which is just for fuck's sake. And yeah. it can be like a joy. I love the, the sort of Scottish slash, I guess, Gaelic words. Um, they, they can mean so many things. Like I could say yeah. 
for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or it could be inflection. Yeah. Or it can be like, for fuck's sake. Like, you know, it could be any. And the same with crack is like, you know, most of the time I say it to my, my husband who's Scottish and I'll be like, what's a crack? Which is just basically like what being married is, which is asking what mm-hmm. you're what you're doing every day until mm-hmm. you die. Um, <laughs> and so I'll just say like, he'll, he'll be at work. It'll be like 459. And I'm like, what's the crack? <laughs> yeah. And so I, I would say those are my two favorite. Mine is uh, Digi. Digi. Oh, oh yeah. that's a good one. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like it just, it really encompasses how I approach most conversations with people is they'll be telling me something and I'm just like, oh, Digi. It's the blusher, it's the blusher heart of Scotland. It is the blusher yeah, heart of is. Scotland. Like, did you really, did, did you really do that? Oh. I remember oh. the first time that um, Helen, our friend, Helen McLaughlin, shout out, said it to me because I think I had done something and I was genuinely proud of myself. <laughs> and then she comes up to Digi and you're and she, like, was like, oh. she was like, oh, Digi. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I did. I did. I really did. And then, you're immediately like, knocked down 10 pegs. Yeah. Yeah. And then later she was like, you know that I didn't really care Aww. that you did that. And I was like, but again, the beauty at uh, Columbia will discover this of being an extrovert is that you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, I don't, I don't think I ever actually cared. I think I was That's always an, an, an extrovert in hiding. Ooh. So, so when when I redid the Myers Briggs last summer, um, you know the the like official Myers Briggs, um, I sent my results to someone, and and my extrovert score was like eighty seven, and they Ooh. said you might be an extrovert, but you're still a misanthrope. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean, for for my my alternate Scottish phrase. Yeah, we cunt. Oh, yeah. good one. I've, good one. I've, I've had to sort of call from my verbal life, but I think in 20 times a day, I mean, if the stapler jams, if, you know, <laughs> I, if I walk into my desk, it, it's just, it's in my head. I remember I told, I told my other half, he was like, what can I say in front of your parents? I was like, don't say <clears throat> GD and don't say the cunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Because Scott's just, curse like it's it's, yeah. nothing, it's just I had normal a, and I'm like he doesn't mean anything by it I'm like I, the, those are just two it's a term of endearing mm-hmm. I had a friend who was giving a paper and she's Scottish and she was giving a paper at uh in Boston and she texted me and said how much swearing can I do <laughs> <laughs> I was like well <laughs> maybe yeah. it's not your audience how American are they okay <laughs> And with yeah. what swear words? Because he, because in the, the UK, well, Scotland, I'll say, uh, cunt's not a bad. Uh, well, no. it's a bad word, but it's yeah, it's a term of it's, again a term yeah. of endearment. As well. <laughs> <laughs> like you almost, you almost hear it more positively than you do negatively. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And here it's just like I, I don't know if it's like the height of bad words, but it's pretty close up there. It's it's pretty close. It's, yeah. it's top of the pile, I think. <laughs> well hey this was lovely i am devastated to end it but i am aware that why are you cutting us off christy i know oppression, I'm so oppression oppression i am i'm gonna write about you at this next moment book. uh <laughs> i i will dismantle it. your house with your tools please please 
dismantle this. <laughs> I will just I write about. Clear. I will just write about you and go on other podcasts and talk about it. Because <laughs> I have no tools. <laughs> no <laughs> loyalty. So I don't have any <laughs> tools. So unfortunately, I don't now own everyone. <laughs> everyone will want me on their podcast. I'm looking at you, trip Hudgens. Trip Hudgens, you hear this? Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We've already tried to get. We've already said we want Beth Moore on here. You can come on if she. I know she can responds. You imagine, can you imagine Beth Moore on our podcast? We're like Beth. You have to have a drink. I. She might be all right with it now. She might. She I don't might. know. Yeah. yeah. I don't know her feels. You know who we el- also. <laughs> what? Who? Who's Please. the next? What about that guy that you don't like, Christy? That I don't know because I'm not on Twitter. The guy that you uh, said you didn't like the the theologian. Oh, maybe you don't do have to you, say his name. Do you, like, do you mean that that devil man who blocked me? Oh, okay. was the proudest day of my life. Eric uh, yes, I yes, I am proudly blocked by Eric Metaxas because I wrote an article about him. Mm. Eric McTaxis mm. can eat an ass. He is the worst. And I don't know. Never read I don't want. I don't want to give him that privilege. He can go. Get, <clears throat> no, get I didn't bit say by a I take a long walk off a short bridge. I bit yeah. by a copperhead. <laughs> That's what we will say. But he yes, let's, he blocks me because of a, Because of a post I wrote or a, a little a little piece I wrote on him, which said the only it was it's called it's for SCM. Um, was it called toxic masculinity? No, it was called like the only thing certain are death and metaxas. <laughs> That's a good title. That's a really good title. Uh, the SCM I, lovely I people came up with that, it for me. Yeah. But yeah. It, uh, anyway. Well, I think Eric Metaxas would be a phenomenal guest he on a week that die. you don't invite. I don't me even know what he does. And I'm we would have eviscerate Christy. him. He makes up false histories about theologians and then is like, yeah. look at I'm an expert on this person. No, you're not. <clears throat> are they like just like the <clears throat> like the theologians everyone talks about? Or are they like it he wrote like, a really horrible Bonhoeffer? Oh Bonhoeffer, not Tillich, yeah. Oh, like why? if any of our why? listeners why? are why? like I want to learn more about Bonhoeffer, and then they're like, "Oh, I ha- there's here's this very popular book by Eric Metaxas about person. Bonhoeffer. What you do with that book is you throw it straight in the garbage, kind yes. of like I did with the redneck martini. Oh, <laughs> Same energy. You know, I, I was I was willing to try that, but I was disappointed no, that you threw no. it out. That was a waste. Of- I took a sip, <clears throat> and I couldn't do it. I'm just saying that's not that's not how we roll down here. <laughs> You just gotta pinch your nose and go for it. <laughs> oh, oh, lordy. Anyway, gonna make <laughs> on that on that note, y'all, I gotta go because my husband's returned with the dog. Oh, well, go. That's not why dog. I've gotta go. Give Stuart our love. Hey, this is great. I love you all. <laughs> that sounded <laughs> totally genuine, Christy. So sober. You you definitely hesitated. Hello, everyone. I love you. I love you. I love you, everyone. I don't right. think she's gonna remember that. And that's fine. I'll remind her of it later. I'll remember when I listen back tomorrow. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is we recorded this. Damn it. We recorded. This. Yeah, that was kind of the point, you guys. I know. All right. Well, All right. I'll talk to you guys later. And it was lovely meeting you, Klumba. And- you too. I will talk to you in a few weeks, I'm sure, because I- I'm gonna bully my way back onto this. We're so. gonna Please have do. I mean, this is what we do. It's chats. just 
shooting yeah. the shit with the educated vibe. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> gin right. and tonics next time. Ooh. Well, you're gonna have to tell me the gin because I've not been converted yet. But Shoot I will that. go with you. I'll go with you on the journey. Okay. We're gonna do it when she's here, <laughs> and I have the good gin to give her. Oh, that's good. That's good. All right. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. May God bless you, whoever she is. There we go. That was sweet. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>